0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for book three. Sorry, book five, chapter three. Um, thank you to those who went and checked out the Patreon page, by the way, and the new merch. The cup holder, the official Hemingway List cup, uh, cup holder? <laughs> what am I saying? Pen holder. It's a pen holder. I'm getting confused because there's a typo on the page that says it's a mug. I don't know why it says it's a mug. It's clearly a pen holder. But, um... I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. Kind of exciting. Having merch. Really done merch before. Actually, I have to tell a lie, because I'm playing bands, and the bands I play in have merch, so I guess I have done merch. Anywho. Um, chapter 3. Tom seems to be quite over his brother's behavior. Over it. It's almost like he doesn't quite like him. Oh, maybe that's not the right words. Brothers just tend to bicker, don't they? And meanwhile, Christian's work day seems awesome. I might need to get some cognac for my office. Techrific says, "What it is what is an artistic personality?" Generally, we think of openness and curiosity, and very often a contrary or at least a unique point of view on life, society, and norms. Do artists need to be more egotistical? Go with. Egoistical than ordinary mortals? Is delusions of grandeur a prerequisite for an artist? Is suffering necessary for great art? What if you have an artistic personality or inclination but no real talent? What will be the result of those personality traits and urges if you have no place to put them? What outlet remains? And what would happen to such a soul in a family so focused on things so diametrically opposed to your own inclinations? Could these circumstances even be dangerous for someone like Christian? His preoccupation with violent cowboy fiction, his dissatisfaction with his lot in life, his childishness, I think he takes strength of character and the capacity for self-reflection that someone like Christian simply lacks. Are we seeing the reveal of a potential antagonist in Christian, antagonist to Thomas, the family or society at large? Where do artistic souls put their energy if they have no art? It's a really good way to put it, and someone who's pretty creative myself, I do tend to do a lot of artistic things, music or writing typically, but also you know in my business ventures is a form of creativity and you know all the the design and and stuff that goes along with that um, I do tend to try to do something creative most days. And when I don't have a creative outlet, it does kind of bubble up into a sort of restlessness and sort of a jitteriness that is reminiscent of what Christian is being described as. So, good pick up, Techrific, and I think kind of spot on. At least it hit home with me. Um, TA131901 says, I've been taking notes as, as I read, and for this chapter, I wrote, Tom is a LinkedIn influencer. <laughs> Uh, perfect description. Linked, You know, I didn't even realize that a LinkedIn influencer was a thing until I read that. But now, you know, obvious it is. LinkedIn is a type of social media, so it would have influencers. But then a LinkedIn influencer, what a thing to be. As soon as you say that, I know so many of them because I have LinkedIn as a, you know, basically whenever I'm between contracts, um as a business analyst I work in a corporate environment on contract basis whenever I'm between contracts, you know I go in I spruce up my LinkedIn and it's essentially like a resume and you do a little bit of um you know liking people's posts and stuff like that just to get your face out there just to be active help the algorithm a bit I never realized it'd be influencers though but then as soon as you say that I'm like oh yeah I know exactly what they are because you see those posts that people put on and you're like this just seems very contrived. Like, there's no way you actually have an interest in this thing that you're posting in the corporate world. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love that description of Tom, a LinkedIn influencer. Uh, what do we got here? Chapter 4. It goes like this. In May, it happened that Uncle Gotthold, Consul Gotthold, buttonbrook, Now sixty years old, old was seized with a heart attack one night and died in the arms of his wife, born Stewing, the son of poor Madame Josephine had had the worst of it in life compared with the younger and stronger brother and sister born of Madame Antoinette, but he had long since resigned himself to his fortunes and in his later years, especially after his nephew, turned over to him the consulate of the Netherlands, he ate his lozenges out of his tin box and harbored the friendliest feelings. It was his ladies who kept up the feud now, not so much his good-natured wife as the three elderly damsels, who could not look at Frau Konsol or Antoni or Thomas without a spark in their eyes. On the traditional children's day at four o'clock, they all gathered in the big house in Meng Street to eat dinner and spend the evening. Sometimes Consul Kroger and Sesame Wiesbrot came too with her simple sister. On these occasions, the three Miss Buddenbrooks from Broad Street loved to turn the conversation to Tony's former marriage and to dart sharp glances at each other while they egged Madame Grunlich on to use strong language. Or they would make general mar- remarks on the subject of the undignified vanity of dyeing one's hair. Or they would inquire, particularly after Jacob Kroger, the Frau Konsol's nephew, they made jokes at the expense of poor innocent Cliffield, Jokes not so harmless as those they, which the Charity Girl received in good part every day from Tom and Tony. They made fun of Clara's austerity and bigotry. They were quick to find out that Tom and Christian were not on the best terms, also that they did not need to pay much attention to Christian anyhow, for he was a sort of Tom fool. As for Thomas himself, He had no weak point for them to ferret out, and who always met them with a good-humoured indulgence that signified, I understand what you mean, and I am very sorry. Him they treated with respect, tinctured with bitterness. Next came the turn of little Erica. Rosy and plump as she was, they found her alarmingly backward in her growth. Then Fifi, in a series of little shakes, drew attention several times to the child's shocking resemblance, to the deceiver Grunlich. But now they stood with their mother about their father's deathbed weeping, and a message was sent to Meng Street, though the feeling was not entirely wanting that their rich relations were somehow or other to blame for this misfortune too. In the middle of the night the the great bell downstairs rang, and as Christian had come home very late and was not feeling up to much, Tom set out alone in the spring rain. He came just in time to see the last convulsive motions of the old gentleman, then he stood a long time in the death chamber, and looked at the short figure under the covers, at the dead face with the mild features and white whiskers. He, you, haven't had a very good time, Uncle Gotthold, he thought. You learned too late to make concessions and show consideration, but that is what one has to do. If I had been like you, I should have married a shop girl years ago. But for the sake of appearances, I wonder if you really wanted anything different. You were proud and probably felt that your pride was something idealistic, but your spirit had little power to rise. To cherish the vision of an abstract good to carry in your heart, like a hidden love, only far sweeter. The dream of preserving an ancient name, an old family, an old business, of carrying it on and adding to it more and more honor and luster. Ah, that takes imagination, Uncle Gotthold, and imagination you didn't have. The sense of poetry escaped you, though you were brave enough to love and marry against the will of your father, and you had no ambition, Uncle Gotthold. The old name is only a burgher name. It is true, and one cherishes by making the grain business flourish, and oneself beloved and powerful in a little corner of the earth. Did you think I will marry her whom I love and pay no attention to practice... Cool considerations, for they are petty and provincial. Oh, we are travelled and educated enough to realise the limits set our ambition, are small and petty enough, looked at from outside and above. But everything in this world is comparative, Uncle Godald. Did you know one can be a great man, even in a small place, a Caesar, even in a little commercial town on the Baltic? But that takes imagination and idealism, and you didn't have it, whatever you may have thought yourself. Thomas Buddenbrook turned away. He went to the window and looked out at the dim and grey gothic façade of the town hall opposite shrouded in the rain. He had his hands behind his back and a smile on his intelligent face. The office and title of the Royal Consulate of the Neverlands, which Thomas Buddenbrook might have taken after his father's death, went back to him now to the boundless satisfaction of Tony Grunlich and the curving shield with the lions, the arms, and the crown was once more to be seen on the gabled front of the house in Meng Street under the Dominus Providibit. Soon after this was accomplished in June of the same year, the young consul set out to Amsterdam on a business journey, the duration of which he did not know. All right, Uncle Godold, down and out, golly. All right, well, thanks for listening. See you guys tomorrow.